Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside Podcast here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. And uh, you've been away, Kiri? Yes, popped over to the Highland Show with some sheep and had a great time. Uh, didn't come back with any ribbons this time, but uh, we've got our local shows coming up with the Southern District and the Royal Manx soon, so we'll have another go there. Yeah, well, uh, I've been out and about being entertained and taking part in a brand new event that came to Jerby at the Jerby Parish Hall. Um, a variety concert that was put on featured young and old and what wonderful talent that's in Jerby as well Kerry and yeah. it's great that it's, they've had the chance to to put it out to the to the public it's really, really great because there's so many young people and children in, in Jerby as well and it gives them a chance to perform, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's so nice to have lots of other events on in different parts of the Isle of Man and it gives people an excuse to get out and see a bit more. Yeah, and you learnt a lot more about um, nutrition and uh, animal feeds, not mm. just on the farm. No, this is right. Uh, dog nutrition is right up there as well with, with all the rest of the animals now and I caught up with Pamela Goldie, a very knowledgeable lady in uh, dog uh, nutrition and and how significant their diets are to longevity and just leading a healthy life. Yeah, another fellow that lead a mighty life. Was, he had his sore out at the concert. Uh, Eric Gooley, or Goldie to, to lots, but he was there uh, playing the sore. Magnificent uh, he is at it as well. So I caught up with him. That's all packed into this week's Countryside Helm here on Manx Radio. So here it is. <laughs> Well, one new thing, well, it's not quite brand new, but um, the the sort of feeding part of animals has been a, a talking point, well, I suppose in, in the recent last 50 years and, uh, you know, what to feed animals on the farms, what to give this, uh, can we swap to this? And it's the, getting the same with pets and animals now, isn't it? It really is. Nutrition is a massive thing in the agricultural industry and every farmer now knows one or has one, especially in the dairy industry in particular. And now here on the Isle of Man, we have Manx canine cuisine with Pamela Goldie and I caught up with Pamela just after the first birthday of this new company. It started long before that to be honest about seven years ago with my own dog Tia um, over there she's a cross between a bulldog and a German shepherd very unusual but she is the love of my life. Um, I got a spade responsible dog owner and after she was spayed and we brought her home she started developing rashes on her tummy and sores between her paws and she was really itchy and we had no idea why so took her back to the vet and we tried some steroids and creams and antibiotics and six months of her being so uncomfortable and in pain so with me having a lot, quite a lot of time on my hands I decided to do some research myself and find out what was going on with her we tried everything at the vet nothing was working uh, a couple of weeks worth of research and I found that everybody suggested try on a raw food diet. Um, she was eating what everyone else fed their dogs at the time, you know, dry dog food with tinned wet food. Um, and this is what everybody, it was all in the supermarkets and we were feeding no different than anybody else. So um, I researched this and tried her on it for a couple of weeks and the difference was amazing 
within two weeks her skin had cleared up she'd stopped itching um, you know she her pores had cleared up there were just a few little red marks and 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 it was like wow it was like wonder food that's a, a huge life-changing effect for that dog you know because she was so ill and and just a little bit of research but what do you think that the raw diet has that's different from the supermarket ones simple fresh live nutrients there's nothing else in it that has any difference um, the live nutrients her body accepts and utilizes better um, some of the way that the commercially prepared foods are prepared uh, creates other chemicals and lack of nutrients so therefore they add in artificial nutrients which some dogs bodies most dogs bodies can't absorb properly mm -hmm. um, with her being a carnivore she needs lots of meat and a lot of commercial foods are very carb-based, high-carb diets, and her body just doesn't need that. It's it's wrong for her, and uh, putting on a fresh food diet um, changed that. Her body suddenly went, wow, this is great, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and this is where your idea for the Manx Canine Cuisine came from then? Uh, eventually, yes. I mean, um, initially, I just wanted to research this more um, and because I did have lots of time on my hands. It was Google crazy. Um, <laughs> it was hard work at first. You don't know what websites and what information and what studies are true, yeah. what are correct, what are people's views or actual studies. So you have an awful lot to troll through before you actually find the information that you want. Yeah, and now you've set up a business here in Douglas providing these diets for other people's dogs. It, has it been a success? Absolutely. Um, unbelievable success. We've got uh, so many people now converting their dogs onto a fresh diet. Fresh food diet, that's what all it is. Um, and the changes in the dogs are unbelievable. We've got people that have got dogs that they think, you know, they're happy, they're in good condition. They change to a raw diet and they can't believe the difference. Shinier coats, cleaner teeth, no bad breath, <laughs> less itching. Yeah, oh, yeah. unbelievable. More energy, more relaxed dogs as well, believe it or not. Dogs tend to be more um, relaxed and listen more and their behaviour changes on a raw food diet as well. So it obviously makes them think a lot more clearer then, doesn't it? You know, it just changes the whole aspect and outlook for them. You know, you don't because they can't talk, you really have to monitor them. And this, I suppose, is a great indicator. It, it is, yeah. It changes their physical behaviour, their mental behaviour. Um, everything about the, the dog changes for the better. You know, the healthier, they, they, they will live longer. Less vet bills, um, you know. Everything about a fresh food diet for our dogs is no different than a fresh uh, food diet for us well that's it and we all have you know dicky tummies or intolerance to lots of things and if these guys can't tell us then uh, you know it can be going on for years untold can't it but how difficult was it Pamela to set up the business initially it was really quite difficult because the, our island doesn't have any laws or regulations regarding pet food um, so we we struggled at first to find out what 
rules and regulations to follow, what to look for. Um, so we initially went for a human hygiene food business. If we followed those guidelines, we knew we were doing the right thing by our dogs. Just because they're dogs doesn't mean to say they need anything less than we do where it comes to hygiene and the way we prepare and look after their food. And you have obviously done your studies as well. You, you've taken on classes and, you know, found the knowledge that you need as a nutritionist as well to do this. I have. I've studied with the British College of Canine Studies and the Centre of Excellence and have my diploma in canine nutrition. I am studying a Master Herbalist course as well um, for, uh, you know, holistic um, health for our dogs as well. And another couple of courses just to support the nutritional side of it. Um, it's a never-ending um, study. I think this will go on and on. We're learning new things every week, month, year about nutrition and our dogs' bodies. So obviously it's a significant part of your business to have this backup of the, of the nutritional history. It is, yeah. I mean, we, we, we know so little about um, us as, as pet owners, about how our dogs' bodies work. Um, I mean, we have us as omnivores that can eat a huge range of food um, to dogs that are they omnivores are they carnivores are they you know the, the, the where are they on the scale um, they're actually a little bit in the middle between an omnivore and a carnivore um, they're called uh, facultative carnivores which means that they can they're not obligate carnivores like cats who require just meat to live they um, will eat naturally vegetables and fruit and berries and nuts in their diet in the wild. Uh, foxes are part of the canid family. They are natural con uh, omnivores. And uh, wolves are more on the obligate side. They will eat mostly meat, but they will still eat berries and fruits that have fallen from the trees as, as part of their diet. You really don't think that, do you? Because you always have this stereotypical image of a dog eating a bone. And that is it. But, Pamela, you're going to have to settle the argument. Chocolate, is it good or bad for your dog? It's very bad. You should never feed your dog chocolate. End of story. Um, there is a chemical in it, and it's called theobromine. And the dog's body struggles to um, expel this from its body. So what it does when you feed your dog chocolate is it builds up and it can build up to toxic levels. So even the odd chocolate biscuit or something like that is a no-no for your dog. Um, the grapes one as well, we'll feed the grapes one. Um, we don't actually know why grapes are toxic to dogs and they're not toxic to all dogs. But because you don't know which dogs are and which dogs aren't um, you know, allergic to grapes, we say don't feed them at all. Goodness me. So, so how do you choose your recipes? Because obviously you have to have fruit, nuts, seeds, meat. You know, it's a big, big spectrum of recipes you can choose. There is. I, um, first of all, I studied um, all the ingredients that go into our food, our dog's food. Meat, chicken, beef, lamb, the nutrients in all the meat. Um, the same with the vegetables and the fruit and the herbs. Uh, find out what nutrients our dog's body needs and then put them together through that to make sure that they have enough vitamin A, mm -hmm. vitamin B1, and um, calcium, mm -hmm. phosphorus, iron, all those, even the m little macronutrients like um, iodine and selenium, um, those are needed by your dog's body. Without them, the, the 
certain parts of their health suffer and we don't see it for a very long time it can build up and build up over a years and you don't know your dog is poorly until it gets too late um, because they've been suffering from lack of nutrients for a very long time. And do you have a favourite recipe though? You know, out of all of these things, do you find that your dogs particularly like a certain one? I do, yeah. We have one that we call our four meats. It is our multi-meat. It's called our multi-meat now. Um, and it's, a, it's at least four different meats in the, in the um, recipe, um, along with some uh, veggies, some fruit, herbs that we grow here in the garden, um, and some oil, a little bit of garlic, uh, which can be given to dogs, um, and that seems to be the favourite. So the dogs get a little bit of everything, which is more healthier than sticking to one meat. And how do you go about sourcing your materials, Pamela? Because obviously four different types of meat have got to come from somewhere. Yeah, we try and buy as Manx as possible. Um, our Manx farmers provide us with some of the best meat in the world and we love our Manx farmers and um, their ethos on the way they raise their animals is second to none and that shows in the meat the quality of the meat and the nutrients in it uh, which is what we get for, for our dogs mm. the only thing we can't source is poultry on the island which we have to find in in the UK but we source that locally as well we use our local supermarkets and we always buy human grade all our meat has all been certified fit for human consumption so it's the same stuff that you or I eat yeah people always think they have to cook the meat you know kill whatever whatever in case it affects us or the dogs this is perfectly perfectly safe for them the raw meat no raw food is perfectly fine for them they have a very short digestive uh, tract which is a carnivore's digestive tract which means the food passes through it really quickly now this is one of the reasons why they can eat raw food. It doesn't stay in the gut long enough for any bacteria that may be on the meat to start grow and multiply. It goes through very quickly. Secondly, they have a very acidic tummy. The gastric juices are on a pH level of about one or two, which is like battery acid. This dissolves meat and bone really efficiently, um, which absorbs all the nutrients from it very quickly. For us, when we're handling raw food for our dogs, use the same hygiene you do when you're cooking your Sunday lunch. You don't mix it with your um, any of your own food. You wash the counter afterwards. You wash your hands before handling and after handling. Pick up the dog's bowls afterwards and give them a wash. Um, and then everything's absolutely fine. You've got no worry about any contamination or any um, bugs or anything passing on to humans. Obviously, this sounds, you know, a lot of labour-intensive work, Pamela, getting all of these dishes ready for, for your customers. Is it a lot more expensive for them than down at the supermarket? Yes, uh, there is no if and buts about that. Um, meat is not cheap, and the quality that we use um, is, I think, second to none, not only on the island, but throughout the UK. Um, but it's worth it, I think. I think our dogs deserve this. We buy them beautiful coats and we spend a fortune on insurance and um, we take them to the groomers and spend £60 on the groomers. But then when it comes to feeding them, we go to the grocery store and we buy the cheapest pack of dried food that we can find. And our dogs being 
um, who they are will eat it you know they have to live they can survive on dry food but they thrive on raw and you were saying earlier the longevity of the dogs you've seen over the years that some of the, the breeds like a Labrador maybe doesn't live so long as as before and you believe this is down to their diet Pamela Yes, there's a study that came out recently um, uh, that was on golden retrievers, I think it was, and it found that they've lost up to about 35% of their lifespan in the last 40 years. So our Labradors and retrievers that used to live till they were 16, 17 years of age in our grandparents' times are now dying at the age of 13, and they shouldn't be. Our small little dogs should be living till they're 20. You know, medical science in veterinary care is on a par with human medical science at the moment. We are living much longer lives, but not eating healthy either. Mm -hmm. And our dogs are living shorter lives. No, that's not right. Um, And it comes down to what we put in them, their food. And I suppose this kind of going back in history, the raw diets, is probably what our grandfathers and great-grandfathers used to feed their dogs, especially working dogs on the farms would be maybe had more access to rabbits and, and different meat products more so. Do you think this has gone full circle? It's starting to go full circle, yeah, I hope so. I hope people start doing their own research, you know, have a little look themselves to see. Um, sometimes taking someone else's word for it is not enough. Um, try your dogs, you know, see what changes it does to them. If it's really expensive and you've got more than one dog, well, maybe a couple of days a week, feed them fresh food, you know. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. If you can't, you know, if you're struggling financially or you have a budget to, to follow, um, you can still maybe feed them some commercial food in the morning and give them a raw in the afternoon. Um, you know, there, there are ways and means around it. Our dogs have been dogs for somewhere in the region of 30,000 years. That's when wolves were first brought into our camps and we started converting them into dogs. For somewhere in the region of 29,900 years, they've been eating fresh, raw meat and bones. Now, only in the last 100 years have we been forcing them high-carb, processed, cooked food on them, only in the last 100. They've survived quite happily for nearly 30,000 years without it, um, and we need to convert them back. And do you believe that the nutrients in this processed food, is it still there as, as strong as it should be? No, by the time processed food has gone through all the, um, the rigmarole of being cooked for days and um, in huge vats, there's no nutrients left whatsoever. All the nutrients are added afterwards and it's artificial. So our dogs, sometimes from when they are weaned till the day they die, live on nothing but artificial nutrients. That's like you living on a bowl of cornflakes with a couple of bottles of vitamins from when you were a baby till you're 80 years of age. I don't think you'd be healthy. No, not at all, not at all. But your range of recipes, Pamela, is quite extensive now. You've really got something for everybody. And how do you keep coming up with the ideas? Um, I test them on my own dogs. <laughs> it's We keep searching for the availability of the food, first of all. If we find something that's new and available, we've got some zebra in the freezer that we're going to have a little try out to see what that's like. We've got some wild boar just gone in our recent cat food mix. 
um, and we have um, other nutrients. We've just started a venison one. Um, so it, it's all about availability, what we can find, what's available to us and what's affordable. Um, the price we have our food now, it is at the top range, but it's worth it. The quality is literally, as we said, second to none. Um, it includes everything your dog needs, all the nutrients, including the fruits, the veggies, um, the herbs, the oils. Uh, it has everything, so you don't have to add anything. Um, do you, Pamela, when the, when you get a new customer and, and obviously they bring, they bring their dog around, do you do any assessments or is it literally just what the owner's information tells you? A bit of both actually. If we've got a healthy dog and our owner just wants to switch to raw, um, we will provide them. We normally start off on our four meats, which is our, our, our favourite one um, and our most purchased one, um, and see how the dog gets on with it. And we let them acclimatise over a period of about one to two months generally, which is how long sometimes it takes a dog's tummy to convert from how it's behaving on the commercial food to how it needs to behave naturally. And once we've got to the end of that two months, we can start introducing other flavours, um, a chicken, a beef, a pork, a venison, a duck. Um, and then we can start introducing bone as well to keep their teeth clean and give them something to do, recreational. Um, wise um, but occasionally we get some sick animals in that we have that have illnesses diabetes or that may be overweight that have pancreatitis or um, even some dogs that we have that come through to us through the vets um, that have um, other illnesses then we provide with consultation with the vet. Um, we build up a, um, a recipe or a meal specially designed for that dog. Um, so it's to, to support them in getting better. It's not a medical diet or anything like that. It's just designed for them and their needs to help them get better. And obviously that's essential for, for us as humans, so it must be essential for the dogs to, to get a balanced diet. Now people can look out for you online, uh, Facebook, you know, the regular places. Yes, our website is now complete um, and the shop is on there as well, so you can go shopping. Our Facebook page is there for help and advice. You can also book a consultation from our Facebook page. All the consultations um, that we provide are free. It doesn't matter who it's for or even occasionally what food they want to, to feed their dogs because sometimes um, I try and split the nutritional person in me and the food seller. If a dog needs help nutritionally and they can't afford to feed our food then we will help them build a healthy diet using other foods. You know, we're not restricted to just our one. I was a nutritionist first before a food seller. Mm. That came through need more than anything else. And, and obviously Tia has benefited greatly from it because she's absolutely gorgeous running around here today and you would never believe that had anything had ever been wrong with her. So it just speaks volumes, doesn't it? It is, and she's just recently had a health check as well. She just turned eight and she's just had a health check and got a clean bill of health from of it. And that sells the product itself, doesn't it? But they are like our children. They are so important. And if we want them to live with us for as long as possible, this has to be a way forward. It does. Um, our dogs are becoming very unhealthy. They are suffering illnesses and diseases they shouldn't have. 
they don't smoke, they don't drink, they exercise more than we do, um, and their diet should be like ours, fresh and natural. Mm. But many people don't understand or don't know that the food that they are feeding their dog is doing them more damage than good. So moving forward, Pamela, how do you see the business developing now? You've got some wonderful recipes. I see you use whole animals as well in some of your recipes too. You know, how far can it go? Um, much further, I hope. Um, we've started nice and slowly. We have um, plans for the future. Um, at the moment, we are exactly where we need to be. But what we do do as well is we support a rescue on the island called Aid Rescue. Um, we often get, um, very rarely, but occasionally on the island, dogs are um, abused or neglected and they are very poorly and sick. Um, the really poorly ones and the really abused ones will often come down here uh, to me to be looked after. They will be helped out our, by our island vets for medical help and nutritionally I will then build them back up again. Um, once they've been released or once they've been handed over to us legally then we will find them new homes. We've done this a few times and we will continue to do it as well and support them. That is a huge sense of achievement isn't it? You know you must be ever so proud that you can turn around you know a, a very poorly dog. Um, yes it, it is it really is. Um, we work alongside our island vets with this and we work really well together but we've had some really poorly and injured dogs in and you would not believe them when they leave. Oh. They are a bouncy, happy, healthy and hopefully go on to live very long lives. So our listeners can find all this information on your website, Pamela, if you just give them a, a recap of that. Yes, our website is manxcanine.com and our Facebook page is Manx Canine Cuisine and we are there to help. That was Pamela Goldie from the Manx Canine Cuisine. It's one of them things that I suppose when you started off, you're not sure how it's going to go, but uh, a lot of people are going in that way, in that direction, aren't they? It's really Good setup she's got there. Oh, it's a brilliant yeah. setup that Pamela's got. And it's, and it's a really great idea because obviously the, the vets can only do so much, but if we can try a bit at home by changing the diet, just like ourselves, if we eat more healthy, we feel better, maybe it's the same for dogs. And Pamela has proven that with the nutritional courses that she goes on. She's got a diploma now. She's got all of the history behind her and continuing all of her learning to improve this side of, of the dog's health. And she's having great case studies coming out of it as well, Simon. They do. We use it for ours. Do you know? Yeah, we do. Well, Kerry, Jerby had something new and it involved another Goldie. Uh, I don't think they're related. <laughs> uh, Eric Goldie, who was one of the guest performers at a variety concert put on at the Jerby Parish Hall by the Jerby and Northern Community Initiatives. Uh, a wonderful event. I was privileged enough to be asked to take part in it and get to see all the other acts from young and old. And the same with the audience as well, which we'll talk about afterwards. But uh, Eric Goldie was one of the fellas performing on stage with his famous saw. And uh, I got a chat with him afterwards and... Firstly, I asked him uh, how many times or when was the last time he'd been in this hall at Jerby? Um, never. Never? Never. Okay. And I've gone past it for, I bought the last 70 odd years, long enough to get in it. Oh, you know. Very similar to the Andrus one. Yes, that's, that's called the part of it. Oh, oh, oh still she's going. still going, all right. You played in there though, have you? Never. 
know that one either. No, only the British dead, but I do. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, it's an honour to have the, the sore and <laughs> yourself up here this evening, then. Well, it's quite, it went rusty for the want of, you see. Mm. Like me, I'm all full of rheumatism and uh, knackered and all, and, you know, well, we're getting on a bit, you see. You've been playing that sore quite a while now, though. 31 years. Really? And what made you start that? Jack and Peggy Watson from the south. Yeah. Then uh, Jack was in the army, in the proper war, like as were, and uh, when he came out of the army, he must have picked a sword up somewhere, and uh, I was interested in it. I, I, was he I'm, playing it then? Oh, yes. Yeah. And Peggy was playing the accordion with him, like, you know, keeping in tune, or in check, one or the other. Yeah. And uh, the other fellow, I remember, going back, it's got to be over 70 years ago, was a Mr Kelly from Onken. He was the first one ever heard. And I think there's a fellow called Cannell, Mr Cannell from Laxey, still alive, I think. Right. So there's only two or three of us on. on I have had to teach myself, because poor Jack and Peggy, well, Jack died before I got a chance to learn what to do. So I've learnt myself. Right, what sort of, sort of saw? Do you, do you play various lengths of ones? That's a 36 the big, inch. The, the big doubles there uh, one. That, that is a musical saw, that one. Right. But if you go to Colton Cowley on a lucky day, you might be able to buy one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Um, I went to Farmer's Cub, Cub Line, is it, in Ramsey, a couple of days ago, see if I could get one. You know, because the daughter, granddaughters learned what she'd like to learn, you know. Well, she was up there today with you, well, wasn't she? Yeah. Little yeah. Dangerous little saw that. Right. That was only a cow, like, to be there. She wants to join in, you see. Mm. And uh, they had none in. No, they're a fashion, I think, aren't they? There's nearly all bush saws they, nowadays. Right. You know, there's no flat saws. I call them a flat saw. I don't know what you call them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a flat saw. Anyone as long as it's sharp. <laughs> As long as it's not, not my flat. But it is still surprises many people, though, Eric, that you can get a tune out of them, isn't it? Well, Noel Kringle and the late John Kenyuk had that saw, must be over 10 or 12 years ago, in John Kenyuk's cow house, till the early hours in the morning, and they never got a tune out of it. Really? They really, yeah. He tried and tried. He tried and they couldn't get a tune out of it. Yeah. So I suppose it's an art maybe. Ah, well, he was a singer. He was a singer, yes. And they're useless at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sing and play the solo. I could never, never allowed to sing no. at high school. You know, out of 700 of us, the music teacher, I don't remember her name now, but she, she was a nasty little bit. In, in them days, you know, Aye. she'd pick you out and tell you to keep your mouth shut until the assembly was over. So for the people who have never seen it happen, I mean, you've got the saw there. Yeah. I mean, what do you play it with? A bow. Like a violin bow? A violin bow mm. or a hobo bow, what do you call them? Other big things that mm. sit on the ground they play. Do you have to rosin her up, no? Yes, you got to have a, huh? yep, that. I get that in Douglas, a music centre place. But it, it must be quite nice to be still asked to a place like especially one that well, you haven't I, been in I, before. I do eh? my best, but the rheumatism was getting the better off me now, you see. My feet and all. All oh, right, yeah. getting job to howler. Couldn't howler now, you say. No. no. <laughs> and how many cuts have you had over the years? None. No? No. 
Oh, you've done all right then. Yeah, yeah. Well, when we were clumped of body, like, before I retired, like, I used to go in the cow house and, and play at night so I wouldn't be disturbing Emmerdale or something like that, you know. <laughs> or <laughs> <Well>, Curry, <laughs> or Curry. Well, them days are gone now. Days are definitely uh, gone. Well, anyway, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to see you here, Eric, yep. anyway. God bless you, and God bless all who's listening. Eric Goldie, and I think his granddaughter up on the stage there, in the saws, with them bows all rosined up. <laughs> and, uh, mighty, because uh, he was, like he was saying there, people have tried for, for weeks to try and get tunes out of it, and they can't, and he manages it, doesn't he? He really You've seen does. him in action, haven't you? I have, up yeah. at the braid. Most years, Eric will come with a saw, and you can hear a pin drop, Simon, when he gets on that stage, all in anticipation to see if he can do it. And my golly, he can do it really, really quite well. And it's a beautiful sound when it's done right, isn't it? Yeah, you can't get the type of saws now. That's who you're saying. <laughs> it's <laughs> unbelievable. But the, the shine on it and getting the, the you know the horse bow in the in the right position, you'll be practicing away. Oh no, that's not quite good enough. And try again. And yeah. great entertainment. You're listening to Countryside here on Manx Radio with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, on the entertainment stage, amongst many things, we mentioned Eric Goldie there with his saw. There was the bagpipe players there. The Irish dancers were all involved in that. Kitty, Timmy and also uh, Imogen all performed really really well. Uh, There was some poetry read and also Kayla did a wonderful piece of singing in there as well only such a young age she did so well and not the greatest acoustics in that hall and uh, little Reuben Lister he opened the concert up I think he's about five and wow. played Twinkle Twinkle on the accordion my goodness yeah, me but isn't wonderful. it a great platform though Simon for these young people to get a chance to perform they might really really like it or they might never like it again but what an opportunity for them Yes, it was indeed. And I went uh, and spoke to the central coordinator for the Jerby and Northern Community Initiatives, Angela Quaggan, when it had all finished and just about everyone had gone home, to get her thoughts on how the event had gone. Well, it's been a first for Jerby, Angela. Uh, definitely a first <laughs> and definitely a learning vertical, I would say. But, uh, an enjoyable evening, but yeah. But by crikey, we've been fortunate with lots of people coming together to make it happen. Yeah, and there was looking at because we've been following it, obviously, and been involved in it. And uh, a week and a half ago, maybe, you were celebrating selling eight tickets. Uh, I think <laughs> a week and a half ago, when we were on a big fat zero, yes, eight tickets seemed like a just like an absolute marvel. Um, but we managed to, I think, not including performers, 98, 98 in the audience this evening. So that's better than the zero that we started with. <laughs> pretty impressive and some some interesting ones as well eric there with the saw and oh. uh, the bagpipe player let's give him a mention I, I absolutely yeah we're very thankful for everybody that's given the mm. time and it has it's people giving their time to, to come up and do so but bad absolutely brilliant he was he was great and i very nearly had a moment that bagpipes notoriously reduced me to tears because i just i just get a little bit emotional it was great really? yeah there was plenty of noise from him in the hall like this certainly anyway. i i had my reservations about unleashing bagpipes in the Derby parish all i was slightly concerned about the acoustic effects that it might have but it was brilliant and it was yeah a joy to see watching the kids clapping and dancing along 
Yeah, but the audience that came along, uh, some of the kids were performing in it as well, were dancing and singing as well. They weren't scared to take part. No, gosh, absolutely not. And and uh, lots of people had asked me if I'd be doing anything, and I thought, well, that's quite funny because no, that will be that will be that will be a hard firm no. But a lot of respect, and we had one of our local girls, Kayla. Um, and she was doing the sound check today and I was stood outside and I had to pop my head back in because I, I just couldn't believe it was her singing. Beautiful voice, really proud. They've all done themselves proud. Yeah, and the, the great thing that she did, Kayla, there was the CD was skipping a bit and she still didn't lose the nerve and kept going. It was just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, precisely what I said mm. to her at the end of the mark, the mark of a pro that, uh, that you know, she, that there was a raise of the eyebrows when she realised what was happening, but she, she went on with it and was absolutely brilliant. And, and a few people commented on that too. Yeah, well, all this uh, the money that's getting raised from these events it's um, an initiative by the, the committee and the, yeah. and the members of for, for what we're reinvesting it in community projects so once we've once we've covered our costs of this evening whatever we have left over in the pot will be reinvested into community events and activities so it will be a case of people coming forward and saying right okay this is what we'd like to, to see our money spent on so we had looked at the uh, the BMX track which we'd been trying to do something with and, and perhaps putting some funding in towards that but we really want to hear from people as what they what they would like to see happening within their community so BMX is something that's on on our radar, but we're open to suggestions. And what about the the feedback you've had now? It's all over. Oh yeah, great! It's uh, uh, there's still a stage to take down, but <laughs> but in terms of the in terms of the feedback of the actual performance, even even the greatest naysayers have actually stopped off on the way past and said, "Do you know what? I've actually had a really nice time, and it's you know." Thank you very much. Well, so. it's a first and certainly something different, and hopefully uh, this will happen again. Oh, with a bit of tweaking and fine-tuning, yeah, it's something that we'd like to see repeated, um, but uh, yeah, just, just making sure we've got the goodwill of people on board uh, to, to get involved and do it again, because you, you, can't, you can't make something like this happen on your Todd or even with just a, a committee. This isn't about Derby and Northern Community Initiatives. It's about just making the connections with the people who are willing and want to see something like this happening. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed uh, hearing that countryside tonight, Kiri, because it's uh, just it, it makes you proud to live in Derby, hearing them youngsters and the older generation uh, taking part and, more importantly, supporting the event. It was something new, and of course, it was a bit sceptical, you know, how it was going to go down. But uh, I think you know you learn a lot from it. Community is so important, yeah. isn't it? And we're so lucky on the Isle of Man. We don't have to go too far to join in. And what a great opportunity it was for Jerby as well. Um, it, you know, it could be the start of many great successes there. Yeah, you never know. And uh, you've been learning, and we all learned a little bit about uh, uh, canine cuisine and everything like that to do with nutrition for animals, didn't well, we? Well, this is it. Yeah. Who knew that you know certain foods are poisonous for dogs and they build up and cause toxins and all told damage? And not everybody likes you know, vet medicine, and they want a healthy option nowadays. Even for us, we're always looking for a healthy option to, to help ourselves. So why not help our pets as well? The vegan dog food will be next, won't it? So we'll leave it there for this week's Countryside until next week. So from me, Simon Clark. And me, Kiri Kermit. we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>